San Diego County Republicans met Monday night, aiming to decide who to endorse in the coming elections. In the 50th Congressional District, party leaders failed to choose a candidate as none of the four managed to get two-thirds votes needed to earn the honor. Throughout the meeting, leaders emphasized the need for party unity and made an ongoing impeachment inquiry and Representative Duncan Hunter's legal woes. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Andrew Dyer, Lauren Schroeder, you two are at the Republican Party meeting where they were supposed to endorse someone for the 50th district, and they didn't end up endorsing anybody. Can you explain how that happened? Well, it wasn't uh, based on the conversations that we had with a lot of experts going into the meeting. That wasn't a surprising result. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have four really kind of high profile candidates that are all in the race. You've got the current incumbent, Representative Duncan Hunter, facing a federal facing federal charges uh, that he illegally uh, misused campaign funds on his own personal expenses. Uh, It's a very tense yeah, tense race. I was going to say kind of like it's well monitored, I mm-hmm. would say, both locally and nationally. And I just don't think that Duncan Hunter had the support that he's had mm-hmm. for the last 10 years. Uh, this is the first time that he hasn't gotten the endorsement from the party. Um, but I just spoke with his uh, spokesman today who said that they're pleased with the results and didn't mm-hmm. actually feel like an endorsement was necessary at this time. He said uh, that they're looking forward to letting the voters decide in the primaries in March. I mean, the fact that he's even um, drawing challengers from his own party speaks to the trepidation amongst Republicans um, with his criminal trial looming. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl Issa, the former congressman um, who's running, um, said as much during the forum um, that Hunter's voting record is great. And if something changes and we need somebody in that seat, I'm I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, can you kind of give us the underlying politics of the 50th district? What do we need to know to understand this race? Well, um, Duncan Hunter's held the seat since uh, being elected in 2008. And um, before that, his father held the seat. Um, his name is also Duncan Hunter. Um, the it represents a lot of East County areas. It is heavily Republican and um, sort of considered a, a safe seat. Mm-hmm. I think um, until now, until that's kind now. of what our experts are saying is that this used to be a almost reliable red seat in California, and it's now uh, it's not toss of, up. Yeah, but. it's not a toss up, but it's just a little bit more vulnerable than they were before. Mm-hmm. And, and Duncan said as much last night, uh, Congressman Hunter, um, when he said, you know, we're the last or w- one of the last uh, Republican congressional seats in Southern California. Mm-hmm. There's so, seven. Not like I mean, there's <laughs> there's still seven. But they said that there used to be more. And they that that was something that they talked a lot about last night is that there used to be, you know, 14 Republican seats in California. And now they dropped it down to seven after that last election. So they're. It kind of seemed like a lot of the kind of message last night was Republican unity and we need to gain back territory. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense, kind of what's going on nationally as the impeachment inquiry of President Donald Trump is ongoing. Republicans kind of have to be unified on a message. So it kind of seems like the same thing was happening here, right? Absolutely. Last night was, I mean, there was, so it was a forum where they posed five questions to each of the candidates and gave mm-hmm. them each a chance to respond. 
Uh, and one of the questions specifically was, how do you currently stand with Trump? How will you stand for Trump? And how have you previously stand with Trump, stood with Trump? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there was a there was a lot of kind of accusations of Republicans kind of bailing and leaving the the president, leaving President Trump out to dry and leaving him to face all of these accusations and not being able to get any of his agenda through. Uh, there was a a lot of talk about that and how the next person who fills that seat would stand with President Trump. And all four of them said they support President Trump mm-hmm. and will work to kind of fight against the uh, Democratic agenda. Mm-hmm. So what was the process of choosing who to endorse? Because this isn't just, you know, people in a room and they say something, right? So I should preface by saying that what we do know is based on information that we were able to gather from people who were actually inside the room, it's a closed session. So uh, the first vote, there's one, uh, there's four votes total. And the first vote, Carl DeMaio, the former San Diego City Councilman and a radio host, uh, got the most votes. I believe it was 27. And then uh, Duncan Hunter and, and uh, State Senator Brian Jones uh, received 14 votes each. And then in the second round, we've since been told that Carl DeMaio was voted out in that second round. And we don't know the results of any of those subsequent um, votes, but we do know that Senator... Uh, Brian Jones received the most votes over all of those four, but it wasn't enough to secure a two-thirds vote, which is required for an endorsement. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of a hard bar to reach. But it does seem like this; these four candidates are all pretty solid choices for Republicans. It's just the question of what happens to Hunter if he, you know, has to resign. I think I think uh, former Congressman Issa's uh, closing comments really kind of summarized. The, the strategic thinking for the party because he, he said, hey, if you endorse one of us, you are um, endorsing against the other three. And the other three includes either a former congressman, a sitting congressman, a state senator. You know, um, you don't want to go on record as being and as saying one of us isn't a good candidate because whoever gets through in the primary mm-hmm. is probably going to win in November. So um, a, kind of a, a a pragmatic approach and um, whatever the the happened behind the closed doors with the vote switching, um, it, it seems like that, um, that way of thinking uh, prevailed. And also with California's top two primary system, which the top two vote getters move on to the general, was there any talk about trying to make sure that there are two Republicans who get into the general or was that kind of level of strategy not really present at the meeting? I didn't hear anybody talking about about top two. Um, they, they were they were pretty clear that uh, a Democrat was going to be their opponent. They kept saying, yes. you know, the, that was kind of another part of the overall message or I guess tone of the forum was uh, Tony Kavark, who is the uh, chairman of the committee. He was moderating the debate and he kept trying to get the candidates to not bash each other. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, your opponents are not the enemy. The Democrat in the race is going to be your enemy, so let's not bash each other. So it is pretty clear that they're all expecting Amar Kampanajar to be the opponent in the general election. Yeah, it's certainly interesting that they've kind of resigned to that fact because I imagine years ago, if this were to happen with that electorate, it would probably be two Republicans in that race, but things just seem to be slowly shifting. Was there attacks on Kampanajar during this, or is it kind of like not focused on that? Really, I didn't hear them specifically um, go after 
Amar Campo-Najjar. Um, they did, you know, Daryl Issa went after Hillary Clinton at one point. Um, and uh, there was another, uh, I believe it was uh, Carl DeMaio, who went after um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, mm-hmm. a congresswoman from New York. Um, but they were kind of, it, it was really uh, kind of this, Republican culture war aspect where they're talking about the big the big baddies on the left, which they see as, you know, Hillary Clinton and, and AOC and the, the liberal progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Socialist Democrats. Socialist Democrats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they feel like they're in a, a battle against socialism. And, and um, you really kind of got that type of uh, messaging from them that that's really where they're they feel uh, motivates their voters. And there wasn't a lot of bashing between any of the four candidates either. I mean, the chairman had to step in a couple of times to remind them, you know, let's keep it civil. But I think it was what I would describe as civil jabs at each other, like Mm -hmm. uh, pointing out that uh, Daryl Issa and um, Carl DeMaio don't actually live in the district that they're running, Mm -hmm. that they're running in. Um, Issa called DeMaio a never-Trumper. Mm-hmm. Um, Demaya, which he which he talked back later on. So right, they there was a little bit of reconciliation. Um, Isa's comment uh, did draw boos from from the crowd. It was the only instance where the crowd really got kind of a, a negative reaction from the crowd was after he he said that about uh, Demayo. But we don't know if that was the crowd booing him bashing Carl Demayo or if that was. The crowd booing the fact that Carl DeMaio might not be in support of President Trump. So mm-hmm. it's kind of up right. for interpretation and, there and as I, well. I would want to follow that up with when they did talk about their support of Trump, you know, DeMaio was on board with uh, with Trump um, on, on everything that they talked about. So among the four candidates, you mentioned earlier that we that, that there was more votes for DeMaio than anyone else initially. Was there a sense of kind of favoritism towards one candidate or is it just kind of the same with the crowd? There were a lot of Carl DeMaio supporters in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was, you know, just a a crowd of them swarming the parking lot when you arrived. Uh, They were in the back holding signs and wearing Carl DeMaio hats and also the Make America Great Again hats. Um, So I think that that's it was in the crowd that the DeMaio supporters were really prevalent but I did sense a lot of loyalty mm-hmm. to the Hunter name, not necessarily to Duncan to Duncan Hunter Jr., who currently hold the seat holds the seat, but to his father, Duncan mm-hmm. Hunter Sr. And um, and Duncan Hunter uh, Jr. he he did get a great response from the crowd whenever he hits on on his his points. Um, the crowd responds to him, and you can really sense uh, a, a lot of support for him in, in spite of everything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. So was there like a sense of worry that he could possibly go to jail? Was that discussion in there at all? Or was it just kind of we're going to see what happens in court and just not say anything? I think it was more the latter than the former. I didn't hear anybody um, talking specifics about the, the trial or, or the charges. Um, it was all very kind of wait and see. And, you know, if this big elephant in the room happens then mm-hmm. we we go this way daryl isa kind of commented on that mm-hmm. he said and it was about him running in a district that he doesn't live in mm-hmm. um which we should say you know his district or where he lives used to be in that district but then they changed the boundaries um but he said 
he wasn't running in the seat because it was an easy seat, meaning that Duncan Hunter was vulnerable. He was running because he said he was worried about it, Mm -hmm. that if Duncan Hunter wasn't able to overcome what he's currently facing in federal court, then they needed a strong candidate to fill the spot. And he said that that was going to be him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like this entire thing was very focused on strategy. So was anyone kind of talking about the future for the Republican Party in San Diego? Because we know now that there are more no party preference voters in San Diego than Republicans themselves. Was there any talk about that? There there was a little bit of discussion about um, energy in the grassroots, kind of speaking in these sweeping general terms about the next generation and what's coming. Um, But it was very focused on like we need to win and show what we can do and that'll lead to more and more successes it was really trying to motivate um people to uh, be more involved and 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 do those party uh type activities and Mm -hmm. organizing and stuff to really uh to to make their mark and and save this seat Mm -hmm. well and they did talk about the fact that they have lost ground in san diego county and throughout the state. So there was a lot of talk of gaining momentum, uh, gaining back territory, Mm -hmm. uh, getting back the ground that they lost, uh, and that winning this seat might be the momentum that they need. Mm -hmm. And like the kind of demographics of Southern California, I imagine, makes it a daunting task for them. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk about immigration. Um, I mean, Duncan Hunter, um, and and this is a, a talking point that you see a lot. He he said that they're not going to be able to win back until they can um, purge um, unauthorized immigrants from the voter rolls, which um, which I hear a lot, but I don't, I haven't seen evidence that there are undocumented people who vote. But um, that line did get quite the response from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So besides this major endorsement, were there any others that occurred at this time? Yeah, so there were three other votes that took place very late in the night after the 50th 50th district uh, kind of finished up. So they voted to endorse um, a Secret Service agent, uh, Melanie Burkholder, um, who's facing Carlsbad Unified School District board member and an Oceanside City official in the California 76th Assembly District race. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also endorsed uh, the state state Senator Joel Anderson for the District 2 Board of Supervisors and um, a local attorney, Joe Leventhal, who uh, is looking to take uh, Council Member Mark Kersey's spot in the District 5 seat in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the past several months, uh, Hunter has kind of avoided speaking with the Union Tribune. Did you manage to get a question in, Andrew? Yes. Yeah, he got one question. Um, you know, um, the congressman is, is pretty elusive um, when dealing with, with the, the Union Tribune, but um, I, I right after the forum, they were trying to push everybody out, and I, I caught up to him, and I had to ask about uh, vaping. You know, vaping's been in the news. Um, the California officials have recommended people to stop vaping. You know, President Trump has talked about banning um, jewel pods. Mm-hmm. And so I had to ask uh, Congressman Hunter if he was still vaping. And he said he was. He thought that the uh, current kind of scare is overblown. Um, and he attributed the illnesses to um, kind of underground black market um, vape products and he said the stuff that he gets is uh, produced in reputable 
uh, stores and uh, with all the proper safety protocols. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that didn't make it into the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say the, the people want answers. And, you know, there you go. Still vaping. All right. <laughs> Andrew Dyer, Lauren Schroeder, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks. In other East County news, El Cajon is taking a tougher stance on illegal tobacco sales. The city has increased the fine for first-time offenders to $2,500. It used to just be 1000 If a retailer violates a second time within three years, there would be another $2,500 fine plus a month-long suspension. Last year, one quarter of all alcohol retailers were caught selling tobacco to minors. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontribune.com slash podcasts. Until next time. <laughs>